Good afternoon, Seattle. Good afternoon to all my friends in the Midwest, in the heartland of the country, the place where the cattle are harvested, the corn is grown, the pea pods are filtered and filtrated, and given the purest water of the sacred juices of the earth. Good afternoon to the mountain people of the Rockies. I hope you're doing okay. Good afternoon to New York City and Boston. You should be doing fine, right? Good afternoon to Toledo. I love you guys out there in Toledo. You know that. And to all you folks in Kentucky. It's March. The 27th, 2021, it's just afternoon, Pacific Standard Time. Here's Saturday. What a wonderful, beautiful Saturday, right? And tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so I guess that's 8 p.m. Pacific, at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WRMI, a radio station out of Miami on frequency 5950 kHz, one of my podcasts will be broadcast uh, on the radio. The thing is, though, it's already been posted. It was posted a few days ago to the podcast channel, so you might have already heard it. But if you enjoy hearing things twice and the second time, maybe... It comes through a radio wave. Maybe you're one of those freaks. Maybe you need the radio to pick it up to believe it's real. If you enjoy things coming via a radio wave or signal, as if you're receiving a message from a nearby spaceship that's cruising through our solar system at 50% the speed of light, you want to say hello to the spaceship people, take me away, take me away. This is planet bullshit. This is a planet of cowards and freaks and thieves and murderers and killers. This is a planet of people that delude themselves and lie to themselves and don't mind participating in one of the biggest child, basically child abuse schemes in human history, the COVID. Because children are being abused by this. You see, if it's real, fine. If you want to believe it's real, you think it's real, fine. I see no evidence. I see no proof. But there is tons of proof that the lives of young people 
are being destroyed by this wretched lie. That young people are killing themselves because of this wretched lie. That no amount of deception takes away the fact that probably that ambulance you just saw, especially if they're not doing the kabuki dance, hazmat dance thingy, but it's just people being pulled out in the middle of the night, probably a suicide, probably a drug overdose, which is the same fucking thing. But a lot of people don't care. Um, I was going to talk about this little Nass bullshit shoe crap, and, and only in the context of being a trauma monkey, but it's so low rent, it's so stupid, it's so ridiculous, that it just goes to show how fucking desperate they're getting as far as psyops go. The thing about celebrity Satanism is it's a very common trauma monkey going back decades. It gets kicked up periodically. I'm not saying there aren't actually Satanists. That's the thing about these trauma monkeys. Sometimes they're kind of true. But that's not the purpose of the revelation. The revelation is to anger, to distress, to confuse, to immobilize, to keep people in a state of panic without any way out. That is how a really good trauma-based mind control psyop works. There's lots of smoke and lots of fire and lots of disaster and lots of explosions, both real and fake. But there's no way out. You can't escape it. You're stuck in it. There is no resolution. There's going to be no justice. You find out that some crooked royal person had sex with a teenager. Guess what? That royal's never going to face justice. There is no way out. I'm leaving Seattle in about a week, one way or another, and I, and I mean that sincerely. One way or another, I'm leaving Seattle in a week. Hopefully, it's on the road um, with a new friend, and hopefully it's towards a future that still exists, at least for a few more months for for me, I don't have any illusions. I know that moving to another state doesn't do anything with respect to what's coming. But it does allow me to escape what is here. And what is here in Seattle right now is dark and wretched. I hung out with a friend recently. And it's a friend I hadn't seen in a long, long time. At least hadn't seen often. And I hung out with this friend and a few other friends and we had dinner. And the friends, the families we met that day when we had dinner, the, the Seattle families, most of them in that little circle were talking about how fucking great the lockdown is. And how fucking great it is to get their fucking paycheck during the lockdown. And how fucking great it is to use all this free pal money to do crooked real estate schemes during the lockdown. And what really made it funny is one of these friends, and I use sarcastic quotes, was starting a discussion about free health care. And I had the temerity to mention that according to Maslow's hierarchy and common fucking sense, at the bottom are food, water, and what else, Seattle? Food, water, what else, Seattle? I know you guys are dumbed down by decades of screwing your fucking neighbor. Food, water, and what else? It's called shelter. People need shelter. After the great financial crisis, the banks held on to about 
three to four homes for every one homeless person in the country. They held on to it. My friend, whose robot brain froze, had to switch back to free health care again because they could not deal with the simple fact that they live in a wretched city that's turned one of the three things you need, you actually need to survive, into a financial commodity, and they think it's really cool. They think it's fun and cool. Flipping their homes and fuck you to your neighbors. What's coming is going to destroy your world and I, for one, will not be there to listen. I've left Seattle before. I've left Seattle a few times. I've left Washington State a few times. Every time I leave and I come back, it's worse and it's not linear. And it's not just the people. The people have turned to shit. But these shitty people have turned the ecosystem of the Puget Sound to shit. And they, oh, I vote Democrat. I vote Democrat. That's great that you vote Democrat, but the Democrats support the same crooked shit, dumbass. It doesn't matter. You close your eyes and you close your ears to the pain, you wretched people of Seattle. Yes, in about a week, I'm going to be out of here, and I'm pretty certain this time it's for good, because I don't know how much longer your world, the way it works, being able to take a plane someplace, a train someplace, a bus someplace, I don't think that world of yours is going to function much longer. So I say to you wretched real estate freaks, you commie douchebags, you new world order scumbags, I say to you mudget heads, you ringos, you limbo freaks, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, Seattle. You deserve what's coming. You deserve it more probably than anyone else because this place was once pretty cool and all you motherfuckers turned it into a shithole. And I'm not talking about the homeless people. In fact, one of the best indications of how shitty a place this is is that who do they blame? Do they blame the, run the runaway real estate schemes? No. Do they blame the cronyism in Seattle politics? No. They blame people that have been so beat down by reality that most of them would welcome a gunshot wound to the head. The favorite pastime of the average Seattle home flipper is to make fun of homeless people, to make fun of the fact that they don't have a place to pee or poop. Oh, I worked the hard way. I used one real estate scheme after another. Well, good for you, Madoff, king of the fucking two-legged stool. But it's called food, water, shelter, dumbass. All three are needed. Dumbass. So no, I won't miss these fuckers. I won't miss the people that claim to give a shit, but really, they're just deluding themselves. And, and I gotta say, I'm not welcome anyways, and I'm okay with that. I am okay with not being welcome in this death trap. I am okay with being rejected by the stomach that digests anything good. I am okay with being vomited out into the world away from this fucking cesspool of existential pointlessness and a lot of shitbirds walking around with no fucking clue and two or three masks on. Take it. You can have it. Fuck you. Next topic. And this is a good topic because the other night some of these friends, look, the government that cares about people Headline for government cares about people. U.S. military ordered 
and I quote, clandestine burning of toxic chemicals in poor neighborhoods, says study. And this article is written by Kenny Stansel, and it was published in commondreams.org. And I read on. New research conducted by environmental justice scholars at Vermont's Bennington College, I'm going to drink a little tea there, at Bennington College, reveals that between 2016 and 2020, the U.S. military oversaw the clandestine burning of more than 20 million pounds of aqueous firefighting foam in low-income communities around the country, even though there is no evidence that incineration destroys the toxic forever chemicals that make up the foam and are linked to a range of cancers, developmental disorders, immune dysfunction, and infertility. And I quote, in defiance of common sense and environmental expertise, the Department of Defense has enlisted poor communities across the U.S. as unwilling test subjects in its toxic experiment with burning AFFF. David Bond, Associate Director of the Center for the Advancement of Public Action at Bennington College, said, I'm going to let you read the rest of this on your own. A number of years ago, the people of the Marshall Islands filed a complaint. Okay, now why is that critical? Because we tested a whole bunch of hydrogen bombs after World War II. And one of the locations where we tested hydrogen bombs was the Marshall Islands. And how can I phrase this, really? The outcome of these tests was catastrophic and terrible. Lots of people were actually killed by cancer. The estimates of the size of the explosions were off by what some believe between 30 and 40 percent in the first few H-bomb tests. So they didn't move people far enough away and people got seriously injured. I constantly get things from people about the government looking out for us. What's really funny is our government told the people of Marshall Island to go fuck off. We took all that toxic material, we put it in a hole barely above sea level, so I guess there is no common sense at all in the world. We put a concrete cap on it, which is now currently floating because the sea level has broached the, has actually gotten into the main containment of all this really nasty toxic waste. And the people of Marshall, and, and the people of the Marshall Islands are turning towards us and saying, will you help us? And we're telling them, fuck you. And this isn't a Democrat thing or Republican thing. We could talk about Tuskegee. We could talk about eugenics experiments in the 20s and 30s in this country. We could talk about the reservation, which sounds really nice. Reservation sounds better than concentration camp because it makes it seem like a voluntary thing. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Cherokee, how would you like to march hundreds and hundreds of miles without food or water to arrive on time for your reservation? Yeah, get there in time for your fucking reservation, assuming you don't die along the way. That was called the Trail of Tears. Also brought to you by the government when it was the good version, right? For all you conservatives, when it was the good version. There was, you know, never a good version, really. If you're one of these idiots who believes that we have to have a government to look out for the environment, I have thousands of examples of how full of shit you are. It is literally the opposite. If you want to totally pollute the planet, you're going to have more government. If you want one chance in hell that this planet might heal, 
from some of the insults that have been committed and sponsored by, yeah, you, you, you know it, the government, if you want one chance in hell, we have to embrace freedom. It isn't a, it isn't a want. It's a need. It might be true that we need food, water, and shelter on a basic level, but I would contend for long-term survival, we also need liberty. Though I don't know if Maslow considered that to be a need. I do. There are many examples of our government sponsoring pollution, and to this day, the number one institutional polluter on planet Earth, that means institution, means organization, is the U.S. Department of Defense. They have left um, dustified, depleted uranium all over the Middle East and Persian Gulf. They have left radioactive material everywhere, toxic explosive material everywhere. They basically used what, what little is left of the marine wildlife zones for target practice. If you have a fucking issue with the damage being done to this planet, the number one place to go is the DOD. And guess what? Even for the liberal douchebags of Seattle, they won't go there. Because that's our bombs for bringing social justice. Those people we vaporized, they were bad people. Like at Waco. Bad people. Bad people deserve to die. Also a reason I'm leaving Seattle, guys, because I don't trust any of the stupid evil motherfuckers here. People here lack, um, for the most part, any ability to reason morally about the world. Their reasoning is fear-based. Their reasoning is based on obedience. It's like, you should do this because someone said so, but don't you think about it. No, I can't think about it. You're an adult. If someone tells you to put on a mask, you should ask a question. If a few months later they tell you to wear two, you should ask a shitload of questions if you're a fucking adult. But if you're a child, I guess maybe, if you're a child, you do what you're told, right? You just do what you're fucking told. The history of the DOD causing damage is a long history. At one point, our government used nuclear weapons to frack for natural gas. This was a huge insult to the ecosystem. This caused lots of damage in places like New Mexico and other places. I think maybe even Colorado. This is the, th these are the people you trust to make sure our environment is cleaner. You have to be insane, right? You trust these people. They destroy the environment and you think they're going to protect it. They make deals to outsource, to externalize environmental carnage to other places, other places with ancient forests that will never be replaced. Ever. And, and you trust them. You trust the monoculture society because that's what Bill Gates is also promoting, guys. Low diversity, low biodiversity, the Monsanto toxic soup genetically poisoned world of Bill Gates is a low biodiversity world. You really think that's going to work out well? And for those of you who think you're going to eat fucking insects, 
given the, the dearth of insects I'm seeing around here right now, well, I hope you live someplace with lots of maggots because where I'm at, the insects are fucking dying. They're being poisoned with alunima. They're being poisoned with microplastics. And we're told, well, they're just coming from nowhere. We don't know where the alunima is coming from. We don't know where the microplastics are coming from. They're magically coming from China. And who knows? That could be true. But you're not going to be eating the dead insects. You won't be breathing the poisonous air. The toxified water is going to kill you, and the land is being salted by your government. Next topic. Ownership. Ooh, ownership. You know, it's funny. It's funny because when you talk with Republicans or Democrats, they have some really interesting theories when it comes to ownership. Let me keep it really fucking simple. If you have to pay a thug a fee to keep your property, you do not own it. If you have to pay a tax to a government to keep your property, you do not own it. If anyone out there has a right to go on your property with force and take things that are yours, then no, you do not own your property and you really don't own the shit on your property. There's your quick lesson in property. You know, I have this quote from Dr. Freckles, you paying someone else to, you, you paying someone else a fee to keep it? Yeah, you don't own it, Dr. Freckles. You pay someone else a fee so you can keep it, you don't own it. It is like wearing the shoes at the bowling alley. And for a lot of people, that's what, at least in our crooked society, home ownership actually is. They're led to believe they own their property. The truth is they do not. The truth is they've been suckered. And they get into arrangements whereby they believe they own their property until one day somebody comes along and takes it away. And there are lots of ways for the government and frankly, the crooked banking system, which is pretty much one and the same, to take your property away. One of my favorites is eminent domain. Eminent domain, the claim that there's something so important to a community that the community has a right to basically steal your property and pay you, you know, basically below the market for it. But you know what eminent domain has been used for in the past? Walmart, okay? Walmart. Walmart is so fucking critical that people's land has, you know, people's land has been taken so that they can build a fucking Walmart. Tell me again about your property rights. Tell me about property rights on the Death Star. Because you live on the Death Star, figuratively speaking. And you know what? The only person that owns property on the Death Star, other than the Emperor, if he's alive in there, he owns it, it's Vader. But you don't own shit, really. Sorry. And some of you are going to be finding this out real soon. Some of you guys, I swear, you just, probably back in 93, some of you left-wing Democrat, super snobby, piece of shit, flip a home and live in a scumbag reality bullshit artist, probably watched those people burn alive at Waco. You probably laughed at them. Well, the teeth are coming for you now, buddy. And I don't know how to put this because most of you don't know how to read. But Joseph Stalin and the communists and whatnot, you think being a good commie helps you? Again, read a fucking book. Being a good commie puts you on the top of the list when they start killing people. But yeah, 
I'm so glad you're a good little Seattle commie playing the real estate game, wearing your mask that works like a, looks like a fucking coffee filter made by Chinese people, probably putting radioactive particles, you know, without them knowing it because nobody cares into the mask. I mean, the fact is nobody cares. They're telling you to do things that aren't healthy, which is basically the same thing as telling you to die. Yeah, you don't own your house because of the government. You don't own your house because a guy, a guy named Bob, who has a gang, and he comes around trying to scare you. You own your house if you are willing and able to defend it. Yeah, purchasing the house is a big part of it. But actually owning it means defending it. That's how you own your house. If you can't defend your house from someone taking it from you, you don't own it. And a lot of you folks are going to find that out real fucking soon. And in some cases, I am sorry, because you probably believed there were still good people running things, maybe. And something like that would never happen. But some of these things might happen only for the reason of creating trauma. Not for any purpose. If you think there's a purpose to, to these trauma monkeys, you're not keeping up with current fucking events. A lot of this shit is simply designed to enrage and scare and anger and most important above all else, immobilize. To keep people from doing anything. Because they're too busy trying to find the current trauma, whatever the trauma might be, it might be gender dysphoria, it might be the Russians, it might be the monkey herpes, aka COVID, it might be the fucking Chinese murder hornet. That fucker comes back every three years now as a trauma monkey. It could be anything. It could be, you know, they're going to poison your water. They're going to force you to take the vaccine. They're going to start counting how many miles you drive and taxing you. But in a lot of cases, a lot of this shit isn't really feasible or functional. So it's only designed to enrage, really. Next topic, and I think I'll drink a little bit of tea to get the cha chang chingy ching chong fucking anger out of my fucking mouth. Trauma monkeys after trauma monkeys, and your good friend Dan is is perfectly willing to admit that he may have been suckered a little by a trauma monkey. I was. For about two weeks last year when I had a cold, I thought maybe 
the the Wuhan thing was real. I mean, the, the, it didn't really add up. A lot didn't add up early on, but I thought, okay, maybe. So for about 14 days, I allowed myself to be deluded by the same shit that people are still deluded by today. Same, same bullshit. And it's so stupid because these same people will watch the commies marching around. Oh, but they're wearing masks. Well, of course they're wearing masks, you know. That's, that's how you know that they're not the same people in the Proud Boys protest, you fuck. Of course they're wearing fucking masks. Okay? Those same fuckers get on a bus next week and then they go march like they're Proud Boys or they're Team Boog. Which means Team Bullshit. Krasnovians. Bullshit. <sighs> Anywho, next topic. Twitter. Twitter. Twitter is social media crap. Twitter is the rink and funk. Twitter, it's the denial of reason before the throng of Moronis. Twitter is a bunch of people poking at people in cages while they themselves are being poked by someone in a bigger cage. That's Twitter. It is the finality of lasting and hopeless modernity. That's enough about Twitter. Here's a pickup line next topic, and this is a great pickup line. If you're out on a, if you're out looking for women at a bar, I don't know if you're wearing a mask or not. I don't think the bar is open. I think it was shut down. So let's say you're at a fire pit. You're hanging out by the burn barrel. And one of the scloven folk left over with you know, blisters and scars and sores and lesions. One of the scrubbing folk wearing driggin clothing covered in monkish grease comes up to you and she looks okay, you know? And you look at her and you say, you can come on my sailboat, baby. You look into her eyes and you say, you can come you can come on my sailboat, baby. You can come on my sailboat and we can sail around the world. You can come on my sailboat, baby. You can come on my sailboat, baby, and we'll, we'll travel to the islands. 
We'll travel to the islands beyond this swiglick zone of dystopian bullshit. We'll leave beyond, behind the Seattle zombies covered in their own grunkus grease. We'll leave behind the various lords and overlords of their own pungent paradise of prison life. We'll leave behind the real estate whores and the other scriggin' freaks. We'll leave behind the people looking for protein and fats in the sewers. We'll leave behind the mad dogs and the mad eagles. We'll leave behind the mad cow disease. But we have to leave Seattle if we want to escape this shit, baby. Just get on my fucking sailboat, right? And then she looks at me a little bit differently. She looks at me a little differently when I kind of made a kind of order, get on my sailboat, baby. That sounded a bit too much, right? That was pushing it too hard. That's being overbearing. She pulled out... She pulled out a an old-style tomahawk. Not a new-style one, an old-style tomahawk. She flipped it around a bit in her hands and she laughed and she screamed and she smiled. She stared into my eyes and I could see that she'd been on the road since before the last of the angels cried. Before the angels cried. So that may not be a great pickup line. Like, I'm kind of thinking that if you went into an actual bar, if there were such things that still existed in any functional sense, which mostly now it's, it's really creepy and gross, with the magical rules, once you sit down, take off your mask. Once you stand up, put on your mask. We're doing this to save people. From what? I have no idea, because... The difference of 16 inches for, for a quote-unquote virus that can jump six feet? Yeah, that's a little weird to understand the contradictory messaging and all of this up-the-butt bullshit. Oh, it's, it's six-foot distancing, but at a restaurant, when you're sitting down, you can take off your mask because of what? Have any of you freaks ever asked that fucking question? I know if you listen to me, you probably have. So I guess I'm talking to Seattle. Dear Seattle, what the fuck happens at the Rhine House when you sit down at the booth when technically speaking it's a raised booth so your head is at exactly the same fucking level as when you walked in? A raised booth. You're sitting down at it. Same level... So what's the magic? And and if your and if your waitress happens to be like five foot two, then it gets even weirder because this shit just doesn't work. Okay, I'm not saying it doesn't work scientifically. Anybody with any rudimentary understanding of logic or science can figure that shit out. And I think there's more than a few lawyers who work for companies that sell those masks who would you know, hint hint, tell you you're not gonna be able to sue them because hey. They're not saying they work. Anthony Fauci is. But remember when he didn't? He did that once. You know, he said that they didn't work a few times until he did, right? Yeah. Science. Science, right? Um, it's not just that, that scientifically it's total bullshit, okay? But that they're constantly changing this bullshit on you. 
They're telling you things that contradict their own messages. That's the worst part. The fact that people believe their shit even though they're constantly contradicting themselves. And, and telling you things that are bizarre, like the COVID wiped out the flu. How'd that work? How'd that happen? The flu is as, as contagious, perhaps arguably more contagious than the COVID. So if the COVID is magically ravaging the hinterlands, how did it destroy the flu? Why is the flu not doing the same thing? But what I find more interesting is, what if they simply took the flu and renamed it the COVID? I mean, it explains what I'm saying. It explains construction going up, not down. It explains lots of activity. It explains that wearing the mask, not wearing the mask, or wearing it kind of half-assed makes no fucking difference. It would explain what I'm seeing. You know, it explained the fact that the commies can march around like idiots and nobody really worries about the fact that, hey, didn't you guys say they're six-foot social distancing? Yeah, I didn't see a lot of that with the commies last summer. And here in a few weeks, when the commies start marching again, you might see masks for obvious reasons, because they got to move these people around, you know, between Boogaloo and BLM and Tifa bullshit and the Proud Boys, you know, it's a hard day for an actor and a CIA operator. But yeah, those masks help, don't they? They help the local support teams too, the bike cops that dress up like Antifa. Yeah, you didn't fool me last summer. And the fact is, motherfucker Seattle bike cops, I got some of your faces. So I know who you are. And people do know who you are. The only thing protecting most of these scumbags, to include the mayor, is that history's moving pretty fast now. History's moving fast enough that, yeah, if the mayor sticks around to the last minute, she'll probably be in a lot of trouble. But you know what? People like her, maybe they'll get the signal, get the fuck out of Dodge. The only thing protecting these corrupt motherfuckers is history is moving that fast. Next topic. Next topic. Oh, boy. This is actually a good story. I like this one. This article I'm about to read comes from statnews.com, and it was published on September the 24th, 2020. The author is Sharon Bagley, and the headline, headline, Brainiacs, not bird brains. Crows possess higher intelligence, long thought a primarily human attribute. And I read on. Whether crows, ravens, and other corvids are making multi-part tools like hook sticks to reach grubs, solving geometry puzzles made famous by Aesop, or nudging a clueless hedgehog across a highway before it becomes roadkill, they have long impressed scientists with their intelligence and creativity. Now the birds can add one more feather to their brainiac claims. Research unveiled on Thursday in Science finds that crows know what they know and can ponder the content of their own minds, a manifestation of higher intelligence and analytical thought long believed, to, you know, long believed the sole province of humans and a few other higher mammals. A second study, also in science, looked in unprecedented detail at the neuroanatomy of pigeons and barn owls finding hints to the basis of their intelligence that likely applies to corvids too. And I quote, 
Together, the two papers show that intelligence consciousness are grounded in connectivity and activity patterns of neurons, end quote, in the most neuron-dense part of the bird brain, called the paleum. Neurobiologist Susanna Herculano Huzel of Vanderbilt University, who wrote an analysis of the studies for science, told STAT, and I quote, brains can appear diverse and at the same time share profound similarities. The extent to which similar properties pre present themselves might be simply a matter of scale, how many neurons are available to work. Again, this article was published in you know, September of last year. The article author is Sharon Bagley, and uh, this was published on statnews.com. Okay. I like crows. I, I think that I've been joking about, you know, some weird some weird eagle crow hybrid that is coming soon. Um, it's horrible. The 50-pound Kriegel, they travel in groups groups of 25. 25 Kriegels is a murder of Kriegels. Kriegels share genetic material with the eagle and the hawk and the raven. The Kriegel will work in groups and they will stand in the alleys late at night when it's dark and sing Frank Sinatra. They'll sing Frank Sinatra songs, old crooner songs. They'll sing Ella Fitzgerald. And people drunk coming back from whatever underground party they went to because it ain't legal to have fun no more comes by the alley and hears the old songs and, and they're all glump, glump, drink, drink and I want to get closer. Yeah, I've been joking. I have a one of my Manson lectures that I'm doing for that crappy writing project because I haven't been able to write much in the last year since the monkey herpes hit, mainly because mostly what's in my head is a general profound disgust with humanity. And whatever space is left, I try to leave for Jesus. But Jesus gets, I think Jesus is probably wondering about that at times because, um, yeah. But one of the Manson lectures is about the Kriegel, the half half eagle, half corvid or crow or raven super animal, weighs 50 pounds, goes in groups of 25. 25 Kriegels is called an onslaught of Kriegels. They hang out in alleyways pretending to sing songs and to be drunk, pretending to pick up on people saying, hey cutie, why don't you come in the alley? The people walk down the alley and then all of a sudden they're surrounded by Kriegel. Yeah, one of them only weighs 50 pounds, but there's 25 of them, fucker.
Yeah, you know, I don't know what would happen if the, if a Kriegel ever came to exist. I, you know, one of the interesting topics among sci-fi writers and futurists is this idea that another creature could come along and, you know, could replace humanity. And the most popular creature is artificial intelligence. The computers will take over. The computers are going to take over, Dan. Well, some of the metro signs, the computer signs that tell you when the bus is going to arrive here in Seattle, some of them still have dates from the last decade. So, in general, I'm not as afraid of the robot apocalypse as some of you are. Because I see a lot more incompetence on that road to supermachine intelligence than actual reality, you know. So I'm not really afraid of the robots. But, you know, robots are a favorite one. Um, of course, there's Planet of the Apes, you know. The apes could take over in a few hundred years, and then we're the slaves, and the apes are, like, hitting us and shit, and it's really depressing. But there are many creatures that theoretically could. I mean, if, if I pretended that I wasn't a Christian, and I am a Christian, but if I pretended I wasn't a Christian, I would say one of the best choices for super intelligence in a biological context, especially given this article about the crows, is probably bacteria. Like if I was going to pick a creature that had the highest probability of success and also the possibility of a level of self-ordering that could approach intelligence, bacteria. Bacteria exchange plasmids. Bacteria can create structures. Bacteria can do a lot of things that, yes, an individual bacteria by itself isn't really that smart. But if you have trillions and trillions and trillions of bacteria connected to each other, all of a sudden that not-so-smart bacteria could become a super collective intelligence. And imagine if they are, in fact, capable of storing information in their DNA, or rather, in their case, really just their RNA strip, because they don't really have much DNA. There's a little. Bacteria has a little. But for the most part, bacteria are very simple. But yeah, imagine bacteria were smart enough that they could generate proteins that, as a collective, could represent memories. These are things we don't know. But I would wager bacteria have as much a shot as apes, or, you know, the Kriegel, or maybe even the octopus. I think the octopus is a good potential choice. These creatures seem to have a good tolerance range, and sometimes they crawl out of the water to look around, to hunt. So I can imagine giant Pacific octopus, a little mutated and fucked up from all the crap we've done, crawling out of the Puget Sound here in a couple of years, looking for some food. And they're not going to Chevron 11 and they're not going to Texaco, and they're not going to AMPM or some other fucking shitty place. They're coming for you, baby.
Next topic, the pan ban, pan ban, pan ban, pan ban. I think a great name, you know, there's lots of good names for what's what, what's been going on. And none of these names necessarily capture everything because I don't think we know everything yet. Um, I don't think we do. I think there are lots of people who think they know. And some people just settle upon some trauma monkey, some trauma monkey as being the real one, including me, because I myself have, have some weird theories about why they're doing this. And I too could be wrong. And I hope I am. Okay, so a lot of people have been settling on some trauma monkey as being the reason why they're doing this. I don't know, I don't really care what you want to pick on that one. Okay, a lot of people say the reset. Well, that's great, but reset to what? Reset to what? Because the reset's looking more and more like a sham to me, more like a ploy, more like a way again to scare people. But it doesn't really have any meat because so far I can't see that it's working. It's like the vaccination thing. So far, they're just saying, please go get vaccinated. They're not actually forcing people in my neighborhood to do it yet. And if they're forcing people someplace else, I seriously doubt it's turning out okay. In fact, I, I'd be willing to wager that there's already some problems, that they've, they've, they've hit a few, a few bumps in the road to the reset. So a lot of people have a notion of something. But another good name for all this shit other than the great robbery, other than the reset, other than the Tide Pod challenge, which is what it seems like a lot of the time. Another good name for this is the Pan Ban, P-A-N-B-A-N, because it feels like one of the things that's happening every day is we're being told something new has to be banned, has to be taxed, has to be taken away from the poor people. Because the pan ban doesn't really apply to people who have resources. It applies to ordinary fucking people who have none. And by design, for the most part, have none. Because no, this is not free enterprise. This is a crooked, neo-Stalinist, central bank hellhole. Welcome to America. So I call it the pan ban in some ways. You know, it's, it's just, they have banned everything. They've decided that everything that makes life worth living. <sighs> Everything that makes life work li worth living, pretty much. Uh, you know, I'm going to close this little Saigon report out because I've got another one coming up in a bit. And um, I think, probably. I'm going to close it out because I wasn't even sure if I wanted to talk today. I was so angry, you know. I was so angry at these friends of mine and... And you know, it's, it's funny because a number of years ago, when I'd had thoughts about, for example, um, well, let me just give you this thing, for example. In 2017, before coming back to Seattle, I had a choice between staying with people I really didn't like or drowning myself. That was basically the choice in my head. Maybe I had a third choice, but that's what it seemed like. 2017 was a year where a lot of things went wrong, including me. And um, so it was, you know, drown yourself or go to Seattle to stay with people who you think are probably wretched and live in a wretched place. And looking back, I know that you, you could say, well, Dan, you made the right choice because you're still around, but I just wish I'd never come back here. Because even though about... A year and a half ago, I would have said, I'm beginning to figure out a way for me to live here. 
That didn't last. That lasted until the monkey herpes. And then what little sanity I could find here, what little existence I could carve out was basically being destroyed, along with what little existence others had. And then I get to go on a tour with friends of mine to visit families, and they're all just applauding how great the lockdown is, you know? Well, their checks are still being delivered because these people are bankers and government workers and software engineers working for crony fucking companies. So their checks are still being delivered. They're happy and they're cheery and millions, if not billions of lives are being destroyed and they couldn't give a fuck. This is why I think, the only reason why I think I wanted to stay in Seattle because I wanted to see it burn. I don't want to burn it. I don't want to hurt anybody. But I'm pretty much convinced that the shitty attitudes and the shitty decisions of this city is going to lead to its destruction. Okay? That's it. That is the only long-term outcome I saw for myself in Seattle. I would be here when the people of Seattle paid the bill. And it's coming. It's coming due. It's soon. For all the fancy-pants idiots who thinks it's an improvement. The other night, we were having fucking dinner, okay? An order that would have taken, I don't know, a minute a year ago took 45 fucking minutes. And it wasn't because of technology. It was because of obedience to stupidity, to government that did nothing. None of the things they tell you help, help. But you keep doing them. You fucking deserve everything that's coming. You really do, Seattle. You do. If your question is, I don't deserve it, I don't deserve it, you accept it, you put up with it, you mock the homeless, you mock the poor, you mock people who are sliding into the abyss, you think because your fantastical little bubble world still works, everybody else's world works too. You are full of shit, and a rude fucking awakening is coming, Seattle. there will be people who say why why would it happen to us why or how could it happen to us didn't we have a reservation well here's the thing guys that crooked road we started down with the coup of 1787 that crooked road we started down where lawyers stole your freedom and then sold it back to you 
That crooked road was a long time ago, and the bill is coming due. You had fancy reservations for people in the 19th century, and at the end of their road was death. Dear Seattle, you have a fancy fucking reservation waiting for you. Seating for all ya. Plenty of room and plenty of the bile soup. Plenty of the demon steak. Plenty of the parasites eating away your insides. Plenty of the people running about looking for food, water, and shelter because you thought it was a good idea to monetize one of them, to turn it into a financial fucking scheme. You thought it was a good idea, almost as great an idea as turning water or food into a financial scheme. And if these motherfuckers in Seattle get their way, that's coming next, brothers and sisters. And you will have warehouses full of food and people starving in the streets. And the motherfuckers of Seattle will wonder, why? How could this have happened? Really? But you're never going to get there. You're never going to arrive there. This shit show is unraveling. The fact that they do a good job of maintaining you in your little plastic bubble, in your little neighborhood in Seattle, that's irrelevant. Okay, the real world is happening out there and it's coming for you. And you can laugh and mock and jeer. You can pretend your shit doesn't stink. And if you think the cops are going to protect you or the military, wow. That, that's why they have the reset, guys, so you can believe that fucking shit. But when the checks, you know, stop clearing, or they stop buying anything, which is pretty much the same thing that happens with hyperinflation. Those cops and military, they'll start taking side money, just like the Roman soldiers and the Mongol soldiers and every other group of imperial soldiers throughout history when the money stops working. It'll be like, hey there, Roman soldier. I got a little problem. Can you take your little group of soldiers and take care of the problem, make a little money. I know that Roman money is shit now. That's how it's going to work. And you will see a bunch of cops come into your neighborhood. And, they'll, and they might even still look like cops. And they will rip you off. And they will beat you down. And they will kill your dogs. And they will rape your kids. And that's coming. You've got a reservation. <laughs>